Good to have guests with us this morning. Glad that you're with us. Hope that you'll come back and be with us again. Um, you have your Bible. I encourage you to get it out. Uh, you got it in paper or digital form. Let's get our Bibles out and part of our study at this time. So we're going to look at the Scriptures, a part of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6. If you don't have a Bible, we'll be happy to give you one. I have a few in my office and there's a few out here right now. If you want to go, if you don't have one, you're welcome to grab one uh, uh, after the assembly. This morning, I want to look at, uh, at what Christ has to say about the, the good deeds that we do and how we do them and why it's so important, the nature of which he instructs us to do them. And there's a lot in this, this passage that's just beautiful and wonderful and challenging uh, to us to think about. Uh, and here we hear Christ teaching against hypocrisy. And he speaks a lot against the hypocrisy of those who were religious in, the, in that day. And so today, as we gather together, we think about that. We don't want our faith uh, to be hypocritical. We don't want to do it all for show. And so what we're looking at this morning is, a part of Jesus' preaching and his sermon. So uh, we revere him, we love him, we admire Christ. Let's listen to his words and allow those words to affect us and to change us. Before we get to our reading uh, and our study this morning, I ask that you pray with me. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we ask your blessings upon our hearts and our minds now as we study the words of Jesus Christ. Father, help us to take in all that he says. Father, allow the words of Christ to change us, uh, to change our lives. Uh, Father, bless us to be sincere in all the good that we do and how we worship you. And we pray this all in Christ's name. Amen. So, kind of an interesting title there, to do good in secret. But when you look at this passage here, Christ is very much saying, saying that in a, in a number of ways that when we do good, that um, we, we're to do it in secret or, or in a hidden way. But there's another passage that comes along with that that kind of challenges on that. In fact, it's something that Jesus already said in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 16, where he says, let your light, be shine, in the, your light shine in the world so that you glorify your heaven and and um, your, your Father in heaven, and so that others will see your good works. And then we're going to read this passage here, and I think it's worth our time understanding what Christ is saying, because he's not contradicting himself in, his, in the same sermon. But this is what we do see here, is that God blesses those who do good works with the right motives. You know, you can do things with the wrong motives. You can do good for the wrong reason. And you can come to church, and you can... Dress up nice and you can carry your Bible around everywhere. And you could be doing that for show. Just to put off a presentation that I'm a religious person. Or I I believe in Jesus. Or you should think these things about me. And Jesus, he, he speaks contrary to the common practice of the day. Especially among the Pharisees and others. And you can go to Matthew 28 and Jesus just lays into the Pharisees there about the things that they were doing for showing their, their hypocrisy in their actions. That's there again in Matthew 20, 23. But from the beginning to the end of Jesus' ministry, he's talking about this. And he wants his followers to be sincere and honest and devout and true in all that they do. And all the good that we do and in our acts of worship. And I think this is um, a very striking passage to me. That's always stood out to me um, and in the nature of our worship. But let's read here in Matthew chapter 6 verses 1 through 4. Matthew 6 verses 1 through 4. So Christ says this. He says, take heed. 
Uh, Be careful, he's saying, take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men or before people to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you that they have the reward. But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be in secret and your father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly." Beautiful scripture there, but let's let's draw some out and think about some of the things that are being presented there. So Christ is saying again, be careful, be, be concerned about yourself and how you do these charitable deeds. And the word for charitable deeds there means doing an act of compassion or mercy for someone else. And so it, it appears to be some giving or giving of alms, but it includes other things. Now, anytime you're doing those good things, don't do it for show. And so he starts to tell us here what it looks like and, and how there are individuals and religious people at that time who were just doing it for show. So again, be careful how you do good deeds. Don't do them just to be seen by people. And there's more application to that. We'll get to that in a moment. Those who do good to be seen by others will receive, um, will not receive a reward from their Father in heaven. And so that, that puts us in the position, who do I want my rewards from? Who do I want my blessings from? I want them from My Father in Heaven. God's the best gift giver. We talked about that uh, last month in James chapter 1, verse 16 and 17, that God gives the most wonderful gifts. And He gives us these great promises. And those promises are the reason we follow Him and we're faithful to Him and we seek Him out. And so when we do those good things before, if we do them before others to be seen for what we're doing, the reward is that. They see it and that's all there is to it. And there's no more reward from your Father in Heaven. And so there are certain things that we do that need to be done in secret. But even though we do them in secret, it's not as though they don't still glorify God or show the light of Christ. When you give to someone else in in secret and you don't publish it and present it before other people, that person knows about it and probably somebody else is going to hear about it. And you notice a lot of times when Jesus would heal somebody and do a miracle, what did he say to them? "Don't Don't go tell anybody else. But what did they go do? They went and told somebody else. They couldn't help it. This is Christ doing this, and in that, uh, that wonderful works that He did, the, you couldn't hide the light. It just came forth. And so uh, we see this again, that we're not doing it for ourselves, but again for the glory of God. Christ tells the faithful to give without sounding an alarm. Or sounding a trumpet is the, the image that He uses here. At that time... They did not, nobody ever went into certain places, as far as we know, in the culture and the world back then would sound a trumpet before they gave. But it does bring to mind a part of how they used to give back then. So the Jewish people in their synagogues and at the temple had a giving box, and that box would have a what looks like the opening of a horn, of a trumpet, at the top of it which you would put things into. So that can make some significant sound as well. So you can imagine that. You know, Sometimes we hear kids during the collection, you can hear their coins clank in the collection plate. All right. Um, if you give that way, you might want to rethink that um, as far as an, as being an adult. Um, 
That is making noise. And so the idea here is we don't want to make noise for other people to see. But a lot of these individuals, they made sure that everybody around them could see I'm doing something good. Here's I'm giving to this person. I'm putting I'm giving to the synagogue, I'm giving to the temple. I want everybody to hear it. I want everybody to see it. And that's what they were about. So Jesus does not want his his followers to be hypocrites. The word hypocrite is made up of two words there. Hippo means hoopo, which means going under or avoiding something. And then crit, meaning criticism or judgment. In other words, these individuals are avoiding judgment. The word hypocrite also was used at the time to describe an actor. They're just pretending. They're acting this way. But they're not sincere about it. And he says that Jesus calls them this. He says these hypocrites, they go into the synagogues. All right? This morning... We're in a building of gathering, okay? This is not the church, but it is the building of the church where we meet together. Um, it's a fitting word. The word synagogue means a place of gathering, literally what it means, okay? And so if we were to go into a church and we were to make a show out of what we do in our giving or in any other act, um, in any religious meeting, um, again, this is what he's addressing. This is what's wrong. They're giving in religious meetings and making show out. Then they would go out in the street, in the narrow streets or at the street corner. And there they would worship and they would give to others. And why? And it says because they wanted to be honored among people. And again, he says they receive their reward in full. They do not receive the reward of God. And so Christ teaches, that, he teaches us right here to give in secret. So that, and again, it's a hyperbole here, that one hand doesn't know what the other hand is giving. All right. And you can't really do that, can you? Your hand doesn't really comprehend what the other hand is doing. And again, it's just a a statement, a figure of figure of speech to make this point that when you give that it should be something that you do in secrets before you and God and that there's nothing wrong in this. Brethren, there's nothing wrong. And you giving seeking the reward of God. Right, your, your creator created you. He made all things. He wants you to want what he wants to give you. He wants you to want his promises. And when God says you give in secret, you're sincere about it. He says, I will give back to you. You'll receive a reward. You'll receive a, a blessing from him. And I want that blessing over anything else that any other individual can give me. So Jesus promised that again, that God the Father who sees your good deeds in secret, He sees what you, does, what, what, what you do in secret. He also knows, he knows our sins and the things that we do in secret. But He knows all the things that we do. And so He says these good deeds in secret, He will give you more. Literally in Greek, I know that the New King James there says He will reward you or give you a reward. And the literal meaning there is that he gives to you and gives to you abundantly. And there's other passages that show us more about that. So kind of a summary of what we've read here in Matthew 6 is that in verses 1 through 4 is that God wants us to always be aware that he sees our secret deeds and he knows the motive of your heart when you do something publicly. And you can examine yourself this morning and say, am I diligently, honestly, sincerely following God? Am I doing good for the right reasons? Well, am I doing it for show? Am I doing it just to be seen by others? Or am I doing it out of reverence and love for my Creator? Now think about some other applications of this. And one thing that we see here, for instance, in Colossians 3 and verse 23, is the Bible says when you do something, when you're working for somebody, that you don't be men-pleasers. That you realize that when you go to work, whatever your occupation is, that you're doing it for the Lord. Whatever you spend throughout your day, 
doing that it's for the Lord, whatever you're doing with your time. So even if, if you're retired, the time that you have is given to you by God. What are you doing with it? And so Colossians tells us, and very much in line with what Christ teaches here, is that we do it for the Lord first and not just to please the eyes of men. So you ever worked with somebody who whenever the boss came around, they started working? When the boss wasn't around, they didn't really work. So I have a few times. I remember that. So we probably all worked with an individual like that. We might have even been that person at one time. So uh, the Bible tells us to always work for the Lord and not to be men pleasers, not to be just pleasing to the eye, but always doing that service that is committed to him. And so when it comes to our Heavenly Father, as we are employed by Him to do good deeds, we do it from a good heart, and we do it before Him, and not just to be seen of men. So again, we have this description here. A few years ago, there was a book that came out, I think it's about 20 years ago now, called Showtime Worship. And it was talking about a lot of churches and how they have changed and uh, brought in a different way uh, of, of entertaining worship or amusement. And it kind of ties in with our Bible study, our class this morning. But Jesus, it applies in this way too, because you got to understand, what are we, who are we worshiping and who's the audience of our worship? We should say God. You can tell in this congregation we're not here to entertain one another, but we're here to do what the Bible says in the worship of our Creator and in memorial of Jesus Christ and all that He's done for us as the Son of God. So hypocrites we see, again, are more, you know, they're more than just having a double standard. We usually think of a hypocrite, they say one thing and do another. Well, that's very true, but with these hypocrites, they're thinking one thing, and yet they're showing people, and they're putting off the persona that, I'm a holy person. And so these actors are seeking to, again, escape criticism as people pleasers. And not that we can judge the motives of all hearts, but there are a lot of, again, churches and Christian worship that can take on that. And so I want to be very um, lenient in this and, and not you know, judging the hearts of individuals. But there are some activities that you can see by the fruits of the individual, which Jesus will say, you'll know them by their fruits. Matthew chapter 7, same sermon. Uh, we'll get to that one in a, in a, a little bit. But he says this, that um, we see that there's individuals who do things for show. And they might do it for a tradition or to amuse other people or to entertain other people. When our motive is right... Um, we don't need to be concerned about that. People know when we're sincere and when our worship comes from a true heart that's diligently seeking to worship our Father in Heaven. And we realize, again, who the audience is. And that is, in our worship, it is primarily our Creator. And we want to worship God because it's for our own good to recognize who He is. And that's going to tie in in a moment where we we look at the model prayer that's also here in Matthew chapter 6. But as I, as I previously mentioned, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, Jesus says, Let your light shine before others so they see your good deeds and they praise your Father who is in heaven and they give glory to Him. And so when we do good, even though, you know, um, when it comes to these acts of worship, we're not doing it for show. And we keep them in secret. But the light of them is still going to shine forth. And Christ is saying to his followers, you're the light of the world. Now, he makes application of this. Jesus does. And so he applies it to giving and doing good for others. And then secondly, he's going to apply it right here to prayer. So these just basic things that we do in our faith that, yes, I'm someone who gives. 
I'm someone who's prayerful. And then I'm someone who is humble before God. And so the other application he makes here is to fasting. A lot of us don't do a lot of fasting anymore. But fasting in the Old Testament and coming into the New Testament was an act of humility before God. It was a posture before God to say, I don't need the bread. Of, uh, the bread. I need God as my bread of life and his word rather than um, the bread of this world. And so there's a humility that we see throughout the scriptures of those who would fast. We'll get back to fasting in a moment. But God sees your worship. He sees your heart and motive this morning. And so when we worship God and when we gather together, we want to make sure that we mean the words that we sing, that we say amen to the words of the prayer because we mean them. And when we say amen, we're saying this is true. I believe in it. This is right. All right. When we take, partake of the Lord's Supper, you got a warning in that passage in 1 Corinthians 11 that when you partake of the Lord's Supper, that you be mindful of what it means when you eat the bread and drink of the cup. Why? Because if you don't, you put yourself in judgment before God. So 1 Corinthians 11 tells us, warns that many people have died in their faith because they did not take communion and the Lord's Supper seriously. And so we can apply this to all parts of our worship. But listen to what Jesus says here about prayer. Matthew 6, verses 5 through 8. He says, and when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. Don't be like the actors and the pretenders, the false religions. He says, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues. They want that. They want people to hear them and to see them. They pray in the synagogues and on the corners of the street. Can you imagine doing that? To be seen of others, to pray in the corner of the street. He says that they may be seen by people. Assuredly, I say to you that they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut your door, pray to your father who is in the secret place. Your Father who is in heaven, go in a secret place, you pray to Him. And then Jesus says, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Openly is not originally there in the text, but we see there He will reward you. He says, and when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do. That's a New King James translation. I think the newer ones say the, the Gentiles or the nations. That's the Greek word for This is what worldly people do. And the Romans and the Greeks, they would pray and they would pray to their gods and they would tell these really long prayers and they would go on and on. And a lot of it, they they spoke eloquently so that people saw, oh, see how religious they are. See how pleasing they are to to their God. And Jesus says to the Father who is in heaven, you pray to him sincerely and you pray to him in a secret place and he knows when you pray. Don't do it to be seen by others. He says, and when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them. For your father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. And so, in other words, God knows what you need. You just pray to him and pray prayers that are simple. And I think the men in this congregation do a wonderful job in their prayers. And they're sincere. And they follow after the model that we see that Christ gives here, part of our reading this morning from Matthew chapter 6. So Jesus' model prayer in Matthew 6, again, Him wanting us to pray sincerely, that's the context of Him giving that prayer. Of all the passages of Scripture that many of us could quote or cite, we usually know this is often called the Lord's Prayer or the model prayer there in Matthew chapter 6. But what we see here is Jesus gives the prayer 
And as he gives it, he glorifies God in heaven. He recognizes God's holiness and he recognizes God's authority of his kingdom and that his will be done in heaven as it is um, on earth as it is in heaven. And so we want to pray in the same way. So we want to follow the example of that. And when we look at other prayers in the New Testament, they weren't exactly the same like this, but it followed the same pattern, the same example. And so when we pray to God, we glorify Him. Why do we glorify Him? Because we're reminding and saying, God, I know that You're the Creator. I know that all good things come from You. You're the source of every blessing I have in my life. You're the very reason I have salvation. God, You've given me everything. And so as we speak of who He is, it is for our own benefit to recognize who our Creator is. And therefore, we, we pray. And so Jesus says here, when you pray, pray for God. Give us our daily bread. Give us our food and our needs, the things that we need. Uh, Give us forgiveness and give us uh, deliverance from temptations. Now, I imagine he's given this model prayer because a lot of these hypocrites aren't praying like that. They're glorifying somebody else. And they're not talking about their needs and they're not being simple and focused upon what God can give us and what should give us and what he's promised to us. And Christ gives us this beautiful prayer here, and then He also shows us the nature of the kingdom by this example of prayer. Now, when we think about this, can we apply this to other parts of our worship? Well, again, if we think about singing, you ever sing a hymn and realize I wasn't really thinking about the words? I've done that. I wasn't really thinking about the words or what I was saying. I wasn't mindful of them. The Bible says, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14 verse 15, when you sing and when you pray, that you do it with the spirit and with the mind. In other words, that you have the right heart, but you also have your mind focused upon the words. We want to sing in that way. Now, as we go on here in the conclusion of our study uh, of that section from the Sermon on the Mount, we look at this other part of worship. So at that time, a lot of the Pharisees would fast for two days during the week. But then, God didn't command them to do this, okay? In the law, there was one day of fasting, the Day of Atonement. Only one day a year for fasting. And yet, you could fast at other times. But here, the hypocrites, these religious individuals, had made a show out of it. They made this tradition, and they wanted everybody to know how religious and holy they were. And so this is what we read. Moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites. Notice that statement again from Christ. Do not be like the hypocrites, the pretenders, the actors. He says, with sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have the reward, but you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face. So it just shows you something about what they did in the morning. Anoint your head, wash your face. Don't make yourself look like you're burdened in this worship that you chose to do. He says, so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your Father who is in the secret place and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So Christ, again, He's he's made these three points. He's applied it to giving, and He's applied it to how we pray and how how we fast and how we worship Him. And that in every bit of it that there is sincerity, that we're doing it to honor our Creator in heaven. And so when we gather together in the assembly and church, we want to make sure that it's not for show. It's not for entertainment. It's not for ritual or tradition. It's not for aesthetics to be uh, 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 pleasing to others, to be pleasing to men. It's the idea of aesthetics. It's making things to where they're so much enjoyable to others. What we want from the assembly is, and from any of our worship, is to draw near to God. 
I want to draw near to Him. I want Him to bless me. And the Bible says, and James says this, he says in James chapter 4, you draw near to God and He will draw near to you. Do that. Whatever your struggles in life, you know who your Creator is. Come to Him. And if your worship is sincere and right, and you don't do it to be honored by others, but again, to, to honor God, that's a wonderful thing. And it's a good thing to seek out His rewards. There's no selfishness in that. You know, someone might say, oh, you're just doing good because it makes God happy. Yeah, well, He created everything and everybody at every time. And the motive of which He puts within me, the God of love, is that I love you and do good to you. That's a good thing. And yes, I want His rewards because He is righteous and holy in every way. There's no selfishness in seeking the promises of God. And so I'll give you another passage here as we conclude this morning. In Luke chapter 6 and verse 38 from Jesus' Sermon on the Plain, which takes part about a year after this Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, Give and it will be given to you. Give and it will be given to you. You give. And you give, not that others to show, but you should do this. And he says, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. That is, into your pocket. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. In other words, God says, you give, and He'll give more back than you can possibly give to others. And we want to make sure that we're doing that with a good heart and right heart. Let's make sure that our worship is not the worship of hypocrites. It's not for show that we're sincere in all that we do. This is the teaching of Jesus Christ. And if you're a follower of Christ this morning and you want to do that, you want to follow Him and you see and you hear the words of Jesus this morning that we've read and that convict you to the heart and they tell you that Jesus is the Son of God and you believe that and you can confess that He's the Son of God and that He rose from the dead. And confessing your faith and repenting of your sins, you can be baptized and begin a new life. It's at baptism that you begin a new life, that you become a disciple of Jesus Christ. And so following Christ starts with baptism. That's what Jesus himself says in Matthew 28. This morning, if you want to put on Christ in baptism, you need prayers, you need encouragement. We encourage you to come. Let's stand and sing together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.